What if I told you that you were about to listen to another wrestling podcast? Are you ready? This is the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Join us as we take you through the ins and outs and everything you need to know in the world of professional wrestling. From NXT to Ring of Honor, New Japan Pro Wrestling, All Elite Wrestling, all the way to the main events of the WWE. Our thoughts, our perspective, and our predictions on the biggest topics and breaking news in the world of wrestling. If it's happening, we're talking about it. This is the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Here are your hosts, Sean McChesney and CJ Palmasano. Alright, let's get to it. Episode number 42 of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. CJ Palmerstano here, and I hope you guys all had a wonderful holiday, whether it was Christmas, Hanukkah, Kwanzaa, Boxing Day for all you Canadians. Uh, I hope you all had a wonderful, happy, safe holiday and a wonderful, happy new year. We are in a new decade. It is 2020. Uh, Sean, Sean and I, that's right, Sean will be back very soon. We'll be putting out an episode uh, sometime next week of the of our uh, favorite matches of the decade. So uh, Sean will be back sometime next week. We'll be getting that out there. For now, I will be doing this solo. Uh, gonna be going over a few things. We got a lot to go over. We got um, a few things that happened on Monday Night Raw. That um, wedding, if you want to call it, the wedding between Bobby Lashley and. Lana, we're going to break that down a little bit, but uh, also going to talk about my uh, time over at the house show over in Madison Square Garden, Uh, that was a lot of fun, where we had a title change, we'll get to that in a little bit, and also going to be going over uh, AEW, uh, what happened on this week's uh, episode going into the new year, and later on the show we'll be doing I'll uh, be doing my Wrestle Kingdom 14 predictions. So, without further ado, let's just get into this. So, uh, you know, as wrestling fans, we often try to defend why we are wrestling fans and why we like, like what we like and why we like watching wrestling. It's whether it's we saw, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, for me, seeing Steve Austin spray with The Rock and Shane and Vince with a be- with beer, you know, seeing uh, Shawn Michaels or The Undertaker, uh, seeing maybe for younger kids, maybe John Cena, you know, um, people getting back into wrestling, seeing CM Punk or who- whoever that may be. But once in a while, there are always these uh, segments, these moments in time in wrestling where we question why we watch it. We question, why do we still put up with this? And there are certain things that we see where people question why we watch wrestling. And I have to say, that is what we had with this segment with Bobby Lashley and Lana's wedding. Um, I, I, I'm just coming off of seeing this recently. I didn't watch Raw live. I just caught highlights, and I... Well, this was the main talking point, from what I understand. So, pretty much, uh, we had a guy come out who said he was Lana's first husband, saying that... Lana left me for that son of a bitch, Rusev... And she left that son of a bitch for this son of a bitch and told Bobby Lashley that she's only going to leave him. 
she's going to leave him when something bigger and better comes along, and then Bobby Lashley just chokeslams this guy in, into the ring. As we move on to the show, there was a woman who came down and said that she was Bobby Lashley's first wife. Before she could even get a friggin' word in, Lana just punches her right in the face. And then she walks away. And then she's gone. Um, but I guess the main talking point of all this, just real quickly, the past two weeks we've seen these vignettes from Liv Morgan. And when I saw them, I mean, she's pretty much, you know, saying she's going to show the real her and that she was, I mean, she was essentially taking a bath. That's what it was. But it had potential for this dark character, this something new that we haven't seen from Liv Morgan. And Liv Morgan, Sean and I have discussed that we both think that she can be a, a key player in a future uh, part of the women's division. You know, she is, uh, I think, I believe she's only 24, 25 years old, and she's got a lot of time in her to put in with the WWE. And I was intrigued by these uh, vignettes, thinking, you know, what could they do with her? But then they did this. Lana comes down, I'm sorry, Liv Morgan comes down and she says, I object, I object. This wedding should not be happening. I'm sorry, but I cannot hold it in any longer. How could you, how could you do this to me? I'm staring at the love of my life in the ring. I came to the WWE as a young, wild child, finishing out the rest of her teen years, not knowing what to do, and you helped me find myself. I'm paraphrasing at this point. Bobby Lashley just looks confused. Lana looks concerned. And Bobby goes, I've never seen this woman in my entire life. I don't even know what this woman's talking about. I've never laid a finger on her. Liv goes, oh, no, 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 Bobby. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm not talking about Bobby. Gets in the ring, people start cheering. They start getting, the crowd's going, oh. And she screams, I'm talking about Lana. And then the Jerry chants start happening. Jerry, Jerry. The Jerry chants are happening throughout all this this segment. And I had to laugh at the Jerry chants. Those were actually pretty funny. Um, she just says, how could you do this to me? How could you do this to me? You don't love him think you don't love him, you don't love him, and then Liv Morgan and Lana just start fighting each other, Lana punches with Morgan, and then they start fighting, and then they have what seems to be a brawl that would never end, and should have ended right away. You know how, like, when most two wrestlers brawl with each other, the crowd goes nuts, and the crowd goes wild, and when the, and then when security starts to pull them pull them apart from each other... The crowd starts to boo, and then it's like, no, let them fight, let them fight. Yeah, that was the opposite of this. The security guards couldn't have been any slower, any slower in this segment. And any potential for this segment to be maybe saved was with Liv Morgan. And then it just completely just crashed and burned at that point. And then all of a sudden, as the as the minister, the priest, whatever, is about to marry Bobby Lashley and Lana, excuse me, out comes Rusev. But Rusev is having a lot of trouble getting out of the cake that's in the ring. And I think to myself, why the hell did Rusev wait for three objections to finally come out and then beat up Bobby Lashley? And then I believe after Raw went off the air, Liv Morgan and Rusev uh, kind of, well, they shove cake in Lana, Lana's face. Which Lana apparently was so against. Lana was so against putting... Because you could tell that she was like, no, 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 cake. I'm just like, really? It's it's cake, for God's sakes. It's soft, and you can just wash it out when you get back into the back. I don't know. This, this, this segment was just just horrible. Like, it's one last segment to end 2019. You ended it on a whimper rather than a high note. 
because this was the last WWE show before the new year. And this is how it ended. I mean, apparently ratings went up with this and it sparked a lot of interest in people on YouTube. It's got a lot of views on YouTube, like two to three million, the two videos that they put out. <laughs> Excuse me. And apparently the opening segment where Seth Rollins and the AOP beating up Samoa Joe and Kevin Owens didn't get nearly as many views. I don't know the current number right now, but it's it's drawing a lot of casual viewership. And I talked about this with, with my good buddy John a while ago, and he was saying how his sister was intrigued by the Lana and Rusev Bobby Lashley storyline. And maybe this isn't for us. Maybe this isn't for wrestling fans. Maybe it's for the casual fans. But, but, but I don't know. I just, just for me, I'm. The story is. I've not been a fan of this storyline since it started. And doing this just made this storyline absolutely worse and just did not make me care for it at all. It just, it didn't make me care for Rusev anymore. It didn't, I mean, you could argue that Bobby Lashley and Lana have real heel heat, but I think it's more like Baron Corbin go away heat at this point. I, 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 I don't know. I, this, this was just really, really bad. The only other highlight that I can think of that happened on Raw is that Randy Orton was coming out and going to address an injury he had at a house show. And AJ Styles said he couldn't wait for, I guess, to hurt Randy. Randy said, you know, when I come back, I'll hit an RKO out of nowhere, or whatever he said. And I just can't wait. And then Randy hit an RKO on AJ. And you know what? I actually really liked that. I really, really liked that. I liked that in a house show where the internet is so prevalent, where people find out everything about everything. The second something happens, you find it out in an instant. And I really liked that they worked the fans like this. You know, people were genuinely concerned that Randy Orton was probably going to miss WrestleMania. And now it's really put more into the feud between him and AJ. Now, when they kind of put him and AJ back together in a, in a program early, uh, towards the end of 2019, I was a little skeptical about it because I'm like, well, you know, we've already kind of seen this feud. We have, it happened earlier this year. But the roles are reversed. AJ's a heel now. Randy's kind of the baby face. But you know what? I would not mind if this led to another match at WrestleMania because these two work really well together. And it's Randy Orton and AJ Styles. These guys are work so, so well together. But anyway, yeah, that that's pretty much all I can think of from Raw because um, I'm kind of kind of cut it short here with Raw because there's a lot of other stuff that we have to get into and I'm probably, most of the time that I'll be getting into this later on will be uh, my Wrestle Kingdom predictions. But I uh, really want to talk real quickly about the house show I went to in Madison Square Garden on uh, December 26th, the day after uh, Christmas. And uh, I usually like to go to these house shows for the past few years now. I've been going to a lot of these holiday house shows, and they are so much fun. If you live in the New York, New Jersey area, and if you haven't been to a WWE live event house show in Madison Square Garden, you are really, really missing out. I've been to several, and every single one is just so much fun. I uh, went to the one where AJ beat Kevin Owens for the U.S. title. And segue, we have a new U.S. champion, Andrade, beat Rey Mysterio in Madison Square Garden to become the new United States champion. That is now two times the United States championship has changed hands, not only at a house show, but at a Madison Square Garden house show. This match between Ray and Andrade was for sure my favorite match of the show, and it was really, really well done. And they were selling the injuries from Rollins and the AOP in this match. 
uh, Ray was really like, you know, he was really selling his neck throughout this entire thing. And I just think what a great moment for Andrade. His first singles uh, title on the main roster. Um, I've always been a fan of his. Uh, when when he became NXT champion, that's when I really started to see how good Andrade really was and, and is. And I'm glad he's getting hopefully get a proper run with the title and they can make it meaningful. And hopefully him and Mysterio can keep feuding for the title because... I would just really, really love that because these guys work so, so well together. And, um, yeah, uh, I remember the closing sequences of this match that uh, I know Andrade won with the Hammerlock DDT. And I knew when, I think it was, Ray tried to hit the 619, hit Andrade with it, and tried to go for the top, the frog splash at the top. Andrade gets the knees up, and then he hits the Hammerlock DDT. I knew, I'm like, oh, it's going to happen. It's going to happen. And it happened. Andrade won the title. Um, also, something that happened that was really funny. <laughs> uh, I was texting Sean at the show, and uh, one thing I don't get is that they build this big steel cage, first ever steel cage women's match to happen in Madison Square Garden. And um, originally, it was supposed to be the Kabuki Warriors of Asuka and Kairi Sane defending their tag team titles against uh, the Raw Women's Champion Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair. Um, that was changed to a triple threat uh, match for the Raw Women's Championship in a steel cage due to Kyrie Sane being injured with a concussion. And I got to think to myself, well, here's the thing. You're probably thinking, well, that must have been the, must have been the main event, right? No, it wasn't. It was not the main event, which baffled me. I really, really thought that was going to be the main event of the show. And um, granted, the match was very good. I liked it. I enjoyed it. But uh, if you were really billing for this this first ever women's match in Madison Square Garden, like, just why didn't they main event? I don't understand. Um, anyway, my favorite part in this match, though, and it wasn't even like it wasn't even like a, like a series of moves or just you know a back and forth between these women. It was a series of Becky and Charlotte trying to get a roll-up on each other. The point They were rolling around all over in the ring, and the ref kept hitting a one-count because Becky and Charlotte kept reversing each other for the pin. And eventually to the point where they were just rolling around, I think Asuka picked them both up and threw Becky out of the way. Or they were rolling around and they got they got up. Oscar went to Becky and then Charlotte just dropped like her dad, just like Rick. And I was laughing my ass off. <laughs> if you've ever seen Ric Flair dramatically just fall down. Like, in fact, if you play the 2K video games, that's one of his taunts. Like, one of the earlier 2K video games, like 2K... Uh, 13 and 14, play as Ric Flair, press the up button, you won't be disappointed. He just kept keeps falling down and falling down, and that's what Charlotte did. She did it beautifully. I loved it. That may have been my favorite part. Other than Andrade winning the title, that may have been my favorite part of the whole show. Uh, but the main event was Seth Rollins versus uh, Kevin Owens in a, like a street fight or something, which was a fun match. The AOP got involved and helped Rollins win, but I think the thing was is that uh, Samoa Joe came back and he helped beat down uh, the AOP and Seth Rollins uh, with Kevin Owens. So I guess it was for that, for Joe's return. I guess that's why they made that main event. Um, gotta say, um, still think one of the best things that happened for Seth Rollins is uh, towards the end of 2019 was that heel turn. They really, really saved him with that. And um, they got to have something pretty huge lined up for him at WrestleMania. And we all probably, well, we hope for that it would be Seth Rollins versus, uh, you know, CM Punk. Which would be great, but don't think Punk's gonna hap- him versus Punk's going to happen at WrestleMania. So you got to wonder, who is Seth Rollins going to face at WrestleMania. You have to imagine it has to be something pretty huge. 
it has to be something, you know, really big, something that could really propel him to get more heat than I guess he already has. I'm not sure if that made any sense whatsoever. I guess it did. But I look through here, um, currently through the raw roster, and there are a lot of ta- there's a lot of talent that you could put. I mean that, that you can rely on for any high caliber match. But um, I'm not sure. I mean, maybe you could do uh, Seth Rollins versus Rey Mysterio at WrestleMania. Um, I look at Rey, and he's probably the first guy I see. Because um, we were supposed to get that match when this whole new, uh, quote-unquote, new era in wrestling happened. When uh, Raw got the new stage, AEW debuted on TV, NXT went live for two hours for the first time. Excuse me. SmackDown aired on Fox. So I can see Rey Mysterio versus Rollins at WrestleMania because I don't think AJ versus Rey is going to happen. It looks like they're going to be building towards Randy and uh, AJ. So, I mean, that's what I put my money on. If I was betting men, I would bet Rey Mysterio versus Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. And I also think at this point that... Well, not that I think, but there was a report reading that and thank God, I guess they listened to me. No, they didn't. But <laughs> the good news is apparently that a potential match between Brock Lesnar and Cain Velasquez or Brock Lesnar and Tyson Fury is no longer on the table. I believe it's Dave Meltzer who are reporting this and that Heyman wants, uh, has two names in mind for uh, Brock's opponent at WrestleMania for the title. And apparently it's one is uh, Drew McIntyre which I'd love to see that. Or it's going to be Alistair Black. Um, Again, I love that. As far as build, what makes the most sense, and all of that, I would say they should give it to Drew. Not that I wouldn't want to see a match between Brock and and Black, because I think those two would be work really well together, and I would love to see Aleister Black in a high-profile match for the title at WrestleMania. The only thing is, is that Drew has been, since he's come back, he has been built really well and booked really, really strongly since his return. Um, Aleister Black has kind of been hit or miss with his booking on the main roster. I mean, there were certain points where he wasn't even around, he had that great match with Cesaro at Extreme Rules, and then he kind of just weathered away after his mini feud with Sami Zayn, and then he didn't really do much. Um, also, Aleister Black is not allowed to go to these Saudi Arabia shows when they come around because of his tattoos, for most of his tattoos, I believe. Uh, they may mean... Uh, satanic uh, meanings. I don't know. I, 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 I don't believe Aleister Black is a Satanist, and I really don't care. Um, but, um, as, but I know that Heyman is big on Black. Um, but I think for the one that makes the most sense, give it to Drew. Will Drew beat Brock? I don't know, to be honest. I would love for him to beat Brock Lesnar, because... I've raved on this podcast for a long time just how much of a big fan I am of Drew McIntyre and how he has worked so hard to get back in the spot that he is today, that he's in today. And I hope that Drew goes on to Mania and faces Brock and beats him. I really do. So that's what seems to be the plan is that they're going to be going with either Brock, uh, Brock Lesnar versus Drew McIntyre or Brock Lesnar versus uh, Aleister Black. But leaning more towards Drew McIntyre, only because of the build he's been had, uh, having and uh, the performances he's been putting in. I'm uh, going to briefly touch on AEW real quickly. Uh, this was held back in Jackson, it's held in Jacksonville this past Wednesday. And uh, this is a good episode on New Year's Day. A lot of key points that happened. Um, one, I guess we should get into... Uh, go break it down a bit... Uh, Try and figure it out as much as I can, match by match, second by segment. Um, pretty much, Cody had a match, a rematch with Darby Allen from Fighter Fest, and now 
this built arena is also the same arena that Fight for the Fallen was in. Uh, I remember seeing people just fanning themselves as to how ungodly hot it was in that building. So it must have been a nice little change of pace to have a little bit of cooler weather. Um, so, you had Darby Allen versus Cody in the first match. And Cody apparently is having Arn Anderson as his manager, so to speak. Um, I don't really see the point of having Arn Anderson as Cody's manager. I don't think Cody needs a manager. Um, it was well done, though. Um, Arn, when Arn Anderson would give... Uh, pointers to Cody as he's in the match. He held a piece of paper up to his hand, to his mouth so no one could see what he's saying. Um, towards the end of this match, Darby Allen was going for the coffin drop and Arn Anderson got up on the ring on the ring apron and was slapped at his knee to tell Cody to get the knees up. Cody gets the knees up and rolls up Darby Allen for the win. Um... I don't know if this is a partnership I necessarily want to see. Um, Ari Anderson, I mean, I think he could be a good... Uh, he's a... Uh, could be a really great producer backstage and everything. I don't think he needs to be Cody's manager. Because, again, Cody doesn't need one. He's good on his own. But, um, I mean, hey, if, if it works well, if they execute it as well as they did this past Monday, uh, past Wednesday, I say, why not? Sure, let's just see what happens. Uh, next up, there was a uh, women's fatal four-way match between Riho, uh, Nyla Rose, Britt Baker, and uh, it's gonna kill me forgetting her name. Not Emmy Sakura. What is this girl's name? Hold on, bear with me here, folks. I'm trying to figure out who this girl's name is in uh, in the fatal four-way match. But yeah, this was. Um, the fatal four-way for the AEW Women's Championship, and apparently this was supposed to be Chris Statlander versus uh, versus Riho, but apparently Riho was uh, or Chris Statlander was booked for an indie show, which I don't see why they no one checked to see what uh, <laughs> what her indie schedule was like. When they were after they signed her, don't know, but oh well. It was uh, Hikaru Shida. There you go. Sorry, I had to figure out this girl's name because she was actually probably the most over wrestler in the match. And um, Riho has been gone for about a month now, and I think. The one thing that hasn't really taken off with AEW is their women's division. And that's sad because the talent is really, really good on AEW's women's roster. Riho is great. Uh, Hikaru Shida is great. Britt Baker is great. Nyla Rose is really great. I like this whole thing that Brandy's got going on. Uh, Allie is really good. Um, a lot of the gimmicks are kind of similar when it comes to the Nightmare Collective the Butcher, the Blade, the Bunny, and uh, Dark Order. Um, it's all kind of spooky. It's all spooky. It's all kind of the same thing. Not that I'm not a fan of spooky gimmicks, and that they can't work, but they're all kind of the same. So I think you kind of need to diversitize your roster with your gimmicks. Um, this match is really fun. Back to the women's field four-way. Um, the crowd... Emmy's... Uh, Hikaru Shida was really over in this match, and the crowd really wanted her to win. And it ended up being that uh, Riho got a roll-up uh, roll pin, I believe, on Britt Baker. She's backstage with Nako Nakazawa. Excuse me, and Alex Bailey, who's interviewing her. Alex Bailey, was it? No, I don't think it's Alex Bailey. I don't know the guy's name. But... Britt Baker comes in and is like, yeah, Riho, congratulations. Yeah, great job defending the title for once. And where have you been for the past month? I've been out there busting my ass every single week. And where have you been? Taking your time off. Hiding. You should be ashamed. And Britt storms off. Now, I loved that. 
because it's true. Riho has not been seen in like over a month. She has not defended the title. There's no tangible storyline for her. And I think also because I think she lives in Japan and that really hurts. A while ago, Riho was pretty over and the crowd was really liking her. Now it's like, well, you don't do anything with her and she's not there, then you're people are going to lose interest. You have to be consistent with who you want to book um, as your champion in your women's division. And a while ago, here's another thing. Like I remember, if there's something I missed, somebody please tell me, but if I, from, if I recall, Hikaru Shida won a number one contenders match for the women's title, and then she never got a championship match, and then Chris Statlander comes in, gets a number one contendership match and wins and now she's got a match. I know granted her car Sheeta got a uh, a title match the other night, but she should have gotten a one on one match. I don't know. The women's match the women's division needs a lot of work in AEW and I hope that's something they can kind of fix and work on coming into this new year. Uh Penelope Ford, low blow Joy Janela backstage. How much to say there? John Moxley had a really fun match with uh, Trent. Uh, there was a fun little exchange between him and Orange Cassidy. Uh, Orange Cassidy comes in, throws his hands up, puts them in his pocket, and then John Moxley does the same thing. Uh, after the match, uh, Sammy Guevara came out, and uh, he told Moxley, whoa, whoa, Mox, Mox, it's okay, relax, relax, it's all right, Mox. Here's a friend, here's a friend, because I got a message for you, because Jericho comes on the Tron, and he, t- and he tells Moxley that he's offering uh, Moxley a 49% leadership and a free Ford, uh, I believe it was a Mustang? GTX? Uh, whatever it was. Anyway, uh, Moxley said he'll consider it, Moxley said he was always considered Jericho a friend and will give him an answer next week. So, uh, John Moxley will be giving his answer as to whether or not he will be joining Chris Jericho's inner circle. Sammy Guevara had beaten Dusty Ro- Dustin Rhodes with the help from Jake Hager. Um, I think maybe one of my favorite things from this week's uh, Dynamite was MJF came out and MJF is the best heel in wrestling and maybe when this decade comes to an end this new decade comes to an end, uh, he'll probably be heel of the decade. Maybe. Just of how damn good he is. He pretty much says that he has three stipulations for Cody if he wants a match with him at Revolution. Is that one, Cody can't lay a finger on him until Revolution. Cody must defeat Wardlow in a steel cage match. And Cody must be whipped by MJF ten times on a future episode of Dynamite. MJF's delivery in this promo was excellent. Anytime the crowd tried to get him off his rhythm or his groove, he always he always ran them down and made fun of them. He's like, I know I'm using pretty big words, Jacksonville. A bunch of idiots like you can't understand big words, so I'll try to keep it down. I'll, I'll try to use more words you can understand. Like, you can't get this guy off his groove. He's just so damn good. I felt his promo was well executed and I think he's doing a big part in this feud with Cody. I think he's the one who's really carrying this feud. Cody has kind of been preoccupied with some other things here and there, but I think he MJF is the one really bringing the greatness into this feud because of how good he is. Everybody wants to see Cody Rhodes kick MJF's ass after he cost Cody the championship back at full gear. Moving on over to the main event, and it was the Elite of Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks versus Pac and the Lucha Bros. Now, this match was a lot of fun. I really, really enjoyed it. The only, My only two criticisms from this whole thing is that a lot of the action that was going on, a lot of the fun, high-paced, fast-paced action was going on during the picture-in-picture commercial break. And at one spot, when Kenny Omega gets Pac up for a huge powerbomb where Pac seemed lifeless, Pentagon Jr. comes in, breaks up the pin, I believe kicks Kenny in the back of the head, and then he tags in Phoenix. 
Now, apparently this is something the YouTube Bros are criticized for, is that they don't, is that they just kind of come in when they please, and they don't tag frequently. And you kind of see with the rest of the AEW tag division. They're kind of just doing what they want, the Lucha Bros. They don't care. And apparently Jericho called for a meeting and saying, we need to get our, our act together because we're losing the fundamentals of tag team wrestling. Tag team wrestling is one guy, two guys start the match and you tag your partner in, in and out, and that, that's that. <laughs> Try and work down your opponent and then feeling tired, hey, you're in. The Lucha Brothers just kind of tag when they want, and Pentagon didn't tag in. He wasn't even remotely near Pac to tag him in. And then he just tags in Phoenix, and then Phoenix tags in Pac. I'm like, Pac was the legal man this whole time. Um, I, I, I was like, what the f-? I couldn't believe it. I'm like, okay, that's just... It's not tag team wrestling. Again, the match was fun, and I really enjoyed it, but it was those those two things right there. I guess the commercial thing with the picture-in-picture, I mean, you got to give him credit for the picture-in-picture thing. You know, it tyson's you not to flip over to the cha- channel, even though NXT was just doing a year-end year, uh, uh, awards, which wasn't much of anything. Um, but... Um, also, I guess because they knew the, the action was fast-paced and everything, they didn't want the fans to miss it who were watching at home. So I got to give credit to that. But um, at the end of the at the end of the match, um, well, during the during the match, Hangman Page was um, doing commentary, for, uh, and apparently Hangman Page's gimmick is that uh, he's drinking. Because he even says on his Titan, uh, when he comes into the, that he's, it says, Hangman Page, he has been drinking. I'm like, oh, that's lovely. <laughs> um, another great thing about this episode is that Taz was on commentary for this episode of Dynamite. Apparently Tony, Tony Schiavone was not available tonight, and Taz was on commentary. I'm going to say this, get Tony Schiavone out, put in Taz. Look, Tony Schiavone was... He did a really great job the first few episodes of Dynamite, and he was doing well, and the dynamic was really well between him and JR and and uh, Excalibur. But I talked about this before, that when JR and or Tony Schiavone are unaware of certain people, certain talent, it shows, and it doesn't do them any favors. When two out of the three commentators on your team, your commentary team, are unaware of this wrestler or unaware of kind of like where they come from and everything, your job as a commentator is is to get the people at home to get them invested in the story of this wrestler. That's your job. And if you can't do that, then you kind of need to go. So for me, Taz was a... Taz, Excalibur, and JR... All did a great job, especially Taz. I, I, it was really great to hear Taz doing commentary again for a wrestling show because I think Taz is one of the most most underrated color commentators in wrestling history. So it was really great, great to see him, and I really hope they give him an offer, and I hope he takes it, and I hope he stays with AEW and continues to do commentary because he was great. Um... At the end of the night, the elite, the elite were uh, celebrating, and Hangman was trying to was was uh, saying good job, guys. But Kenny in the box, and Cody came out, and he they were trying to get him to come. He's like, no, no, it's okay. He's got a drink in his hand. So Hangman is trying to distance himself from um, the elite. And it's interesting where to see where that story is going. And Dave Meltzer speculates that it could be the introduction of Marty Skrull into AEW. Um, because on being the elite, he uh, saw a picture of himself, the Bucks, Cody, and Marty uh, in his house, and he turned it away. And for about a minute straight, that's all you saw was the picture of them at the end of the episode of being the elite. Um, another thing that AEW, just real quickly, I think needs to work on is they need to try and uh, not rely on fans like myself, who kind of watch everything to know what's going on. 
Um, I watch Being the Elite every, just about every week. I still enjoy watching it. Um, but I don't watch AEW Dark. So if there are certain things that happen in AEW Dark and they lead into the storyline, I don't know what's going on. So they kind of need to fix that up. Um, but overall, this episode of AEW was really, really well done. I really enjoyed it. And um, yeah, I think there's nothing else left to do but to go into the Wrestle Kingdom 14 predictions. This is a two-night event. Wrestle Kingdom beat WrestleMania to the punch with this. So going to be going over night one, then night two. Um, there are two matches that are a little difficult to predict. So I'm not really going to give my predictions as to what happens in that match because we don't know who the competitors are going to be in the match. And that is the winner of the uh, Intercontinental title and the heavyweight title of night one. And then the losers of those matches will face off the following night. But uh, let's get right into it. And I'm not going to be doing any pre-show matches. It's the main card. So the so the first match of night one is Juice and Thunder Liger, Tatsumi Fujinami, The Great Sasuke, and Tiger Mask with El Samurai versus Nakosano, Shinjiro Otani, Tatsudo Takua, Ryusuke Takuji with Kanuki Kobayashi with Noro Honga will be the special guest referee. Um, this is night one of two mat- of Liger's last matches. I am going to be completely and utterly honest. I know maybe like two people in this match, and that's like Liger and Tiger Mask. That's it. So I will say this will be Liger's last victory in wrestling, and it's a, just a good feel-good moment to kind of start off the night. Uh, just plain and simple. I don't know. Uh, next is going to be an eight-man tag team match. Uh, Los Ingobernables de Japón, consisting of Evil, Sonata, Shingo Takagi, and Bushi versus Suzuki Gun, which is consisting of Minoru Suzuki, Takaji, Zack Sabre Jr., and El Desperado. Um, I'm going to be going with uh, LIJ for this one. I think it's going to be... Um, to kind of give, I think Sonata is going to look really strong in this match because he will be facing Zack Sabre Jr. the following night for the British Rev Pro Championship. So kind of give some, maybe a little preview, or have Zack and Sonata not touch until the following night. Really build for that match. <coughs> Excuse me. Another eight-man tag team match: uh, Chaos, Hiroki Godu, Tomohiro Ishii, Toroyanu, and Yoshihashi. Versus Bullet Club, consisting of Bad Luck Fale, Chase Owens, Kenta, and Yujiro Takahashi. Um, I am probably... And when you read these cards on Wikipedia, or wherever you're reading them from, they typically are in order. Um, and the next match, I know what I'm going to pick, so this one's a little harder. Uh, I'm probably you know I'll I'll say now nah, you know I'm gonna go with Bullet Club I'll go with Bullet Club here just I really don't know who's gonna win this but uh, I'm gonna say Bullet Club pick up the victory uh, I think Kenta needs to look strong for his title match the following night next is the Gorillas of Destiny of Tonga Loa and Tama, Tonga yeah, Tama Loa and Jesus, I cannot talk tonight. Tama Tonga and Tonga Loa, the Gorillas of Destiny representing Bullet Club versus Finn Juice of Juice Robinson and David Finley. I'm picking the champions to retain here. That would be uh, Tama Tonga and Tonga Loa. Um, I don't see. Uh, Finley and Robinson become the victory, also considering Juice Robinson has a title match the following night. Next, we have Lance Archer, the IWGP United States Champion versus Jan Maxley, my horrible Justin Roberts impression, in a Texas death match. The match can only be won by 10 count, knockout, or submission. So there are no pinfalls in this match, which I find very, very interesting. 
Um, but I'm going to have to go with John Moxley. Even though I've uh, Lance Archer, from what I've seen, has been doing a really great job. He kind of went from being nobody to being a really key player in the New Japan uh, roster. But uh, Moxley, I think he's talked about very openly that he still wants to work with New Japan and that he wants to um, that he still wants to do New Japan and AEW and um, I think there can still be possibility for an AEW New Japan partnership which I'll get into more when I predict uh, the second night of Wrestle Kingdom 14 but I'm going to say Moxley to take the win Next up, and what pro- may uh, one of the matches I'm looking forward to the most uh, is Will Ospreay, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, versus a returning Hiromu Takahashi. Um, these two had an amazing match uh, back at Dominion 2018. Hiromu had won the Best of the Super Juniors tournament and beat Will Ospreay for the title at that pay-per-view in one of the best matches of, of that year. And Hiromu Takahashi had to vacate the title, uh, being dropped on his neck, and he was gone for a long time, and Meltzer had uh, reported that it was possible that Hiromu may never return to wrestling ever again. But I'm so glad he's back, um, because these two work so well together. But... Um, and as much as I love Will Ospreay, and what an amazing year he had in 2019, I'm going with Hiromu Takahashi because she put the belt on him and have him be the ace of that division and finally move Will Ospreay up to the heavyweight division. Like, we all thought it was going to happen last year when he won the, the uh, Never Open Weight Championship, but... It didn't, and, and not that it's a bad thing, because Will Ospreay, I, I, for my money, had the best, was the best wrestler of 2019, and was on a whole nother level than anybody else as far as in-ring work. So, as much as I love Will Ospreay, I'm gonna go with Hiromu in this, and I'm just looking forward to an amazing match. Next up, uh, for the IWGP Intercontinental Champion. The leader of Bullet Club, the champion Jay, Switchblade Jay White, versus excuse me, versus the leader of Lij Tetsuya Naito. This is where things get a little harder. Um, originally, I kind of thought that Naito would go on and win because he's talked about being a double champion. And wanting to win the Intercontinental and the IWGP Heavyweight Championship. But this is hard. This is really, really hard. Um, but I'm going to say Jay White. I'm going to say Jay White for a few reasons. One, he's still a very, he's still very young, very young kid. And he can really bring, and again, Bullet Club bringing the whole Western market, the whole, you know, they New Japan announced New Japan USA, and um, I think New Japan uh, Bullet Club has had like a revival in the sense of with Kenta joining and Jay White taking over the faction. It feels again new, but also very familiar. So. And Naito, for whatever reason, they just haven't had the most faith in him. But um, even though he's over as hell. But I'm going to go with uh, with Jay White. And the main event of this, sh- of this portion of the night, for the IWGP Heavyweight Championship, the winner of the G1 Climax, my boy, Kota Ibushi, versus the Rainmaker, Kazuchika Okada. Again, this is very, very hard to predict. And my heart truly says Kota Ibushi. If you've listened, you know how much of a fan I am of Kota Ibushi and how much I just, I called, I I said he was going to win the G1. I said it. It wasn't guaranteed. Like A lot of people didn't think he, he could, wasn't sure. He, he was definitely a contender to win it, but I wanted him to win it, and he did win. 
But when it comes to Okada, it's really, really hard to bet against him. I mean, he's arguably the best wrestler in the world. One of, for sure. He had an amazing, amazing decade. And within a few short years, you could argue that he could maybe be the best wrestler ever. And for those of you who don't watch New Japan Pro Wrestling and don't understand, you gotta just watch his matches and you will understand. I always liked Okada, but I don't think I ever truly got just how good he was until I saw him wrestle live. That's how I truly understood how good he was. Because I've mentioned how when you got a whole crowd just standing, not a single person is sitting down and they just want to know what's going to happen next in this match. You're main eventing the Garden for the main title in New Japan, in J- like the, one of the most prestigious wrestling titles ever in the Garden. And you've got the crowd hooked. I mean, and you're not even doing anything like amazingly flashy. You're just a great storyteller in the ring. That's how great Okada is. But I have to make a decision. And... can argue they're going to want Okada in that main event for the for, for a first time ever match but you can also argue that Kota Ibushi you can they can re- really reward him because he decided to stay with New Japan and be loyal to New Japan when he's never really been held down to a contract in his career he could have easily jumped ship to AEW and went with Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks and everybody but I think maybe had this been a, a normal night, a regular uh, Wrestle Kingdom, just one night thing, I probably would have said Kota Ibushi, but I'm going to go with Okada. You can't really bet against Okada, and um, maybe him winning the G1 was a thank you for thank you for sticking around. But um, but yeah, but we don't know. And we have one more to get through. Bear with me here. This is night two of Wrestle Kingdom 14. A uh, tag team match between Juice and Thunder Liger and uh, Naki Sano with uh, Yoshikai. Yoshikai? I don't even know. F- Yoshikai uh, Fujiwara versus Ryu Lee and Hiromu Takahashi. Uh, Ryu Lee. Um, I guess the former Dragon Lee? I'm still going to call him Dragon Lee. Uh, this will be Liger's official final match. I really thought they would have put him in a big singles match or something. I don't know. But um, but I'm going to go with, um, with uh, Hiromu and Dragon Lee. These two can't stand each other. I mean, Dragon Lee was the one who put Hiromu out of action. But uh, I think there'll be a, a nice little moment. And... Um, we're uh, a lot like you know. I think one will get the pin, and they'll kind of like start of an angle. Cause I think Hiromu at this point will be the champion, and they'll start off start their feud. Um, but this will be a nice goodbye to Liger, and you know, thank you for everything, and you know, it'll just be a, a fun little tag match. Next up, uh, tag team uh, IWGP Junior Tag Team Championships Bullet Club. Uh, the champions, Taji Ishimori and El Phantasma versus Rapunky 3K, Sho and Yo. Um, I'm going to go with Sho and Yo here to get the tag team titles back. Um, uh, Ishimori and El Phantasma has been holding hold them on for a little while. They've been doing really great as heels, but I think it's a nice little babyface victory for the uh, IWGP t- Junior Tag Titles. Next, we have Zack Sabre Jr. versus Sonata for the British Heavyweight Championship. Um, I'm going to say Zack Sabre Jr. here. They don't typically like to have too many other Japanese guys win this title or hold on for it for that long for that much, for that matter. Um, I know Tanahashi won it at the Garden, which was crazy. But um, but I'm going to say uh, Zack Sabre Jr. and just play it safe. Uh, next is uh, a singles match for the IWGP U.S. Championship. So the winner of John Moxley versus Lance Archer will face Juice Robinson. I picked John Moxley, and I thought about it briefly, but I'm going to say it's John Moxley again because, again, he has been very open with the fact that he wants to keep working with New Japan and 
I think with Mo- a guy like Moxley and another guy we're going to be talking about in a little bit can help build a bridge and make a partnership for New Japan and AEW. Um, next, we have Kenta versus Hiroki Goto. And um, for, for the never open weight championship, um, got to say, uh, Kenta, plain and simple. Kenta is uh, was one of the biggest. It was one of the biggest signings and shocking moments that he signed with New Japan, and the fact that he joined Bullet Club completely revitalized his career and just making a huge decision and a huge shock. He's been never open weight champion, I think, since the end of the summer, the beginning of the fall, and um, yeah, just just Kenta. Keep the title on Kenta and have him book really, really strong. The following match will be the loser of Okada versus Ibushi and the loser versus Jay White and Naito. Uh, again, we don't know who that's going to be, so we're not going to predict that. I'll probably put something out on Twitter or something and say who I think will win. Um, and then uh, skipping a match real quickly. Uh, again, the double gold dash match for both the IWGP Heavyweight and Intercontinental titles. Um, the champions, whoever they will be, I don't know. But uh, not going to predict because we don't have no idea what's going to happen. Um, so finally, the last match in this card, and it is the ace Hiroshi Hiroshi Tanahashi versus Chris Jericho, the AEW champion, the Pain Maker, returning to New Japan for a huge, huge match. Huge history-making match. Because if anybody knows anything about Hiroshi Tanahashi, he is the Japanese John Cena, because of how popular he is. But the guy, similar to Jericho, they're not that much... They're, they're similar in age, and Tanahashi can still go with the best of them. He can still go with, go with guys like Will Ospreay, and Ibushi, and Okada, and Naito, and just really really put on these amazing matches. This is hard, a little hard to predict. Because there is something else here. Tanahashi says that if he wins, he wants the AEW Championship. He wants a match for the AEW Championship. Chris Jericho responds and says, you know what, Tanahashi, you are right. If you beat me, you very well deserve a shot for my AEW Championship. And New Japan have acknowledged this. It's even in the stipulation. If Tanahashi wins, he will receive a match for Jericho's AEW World Championship. So I have to imagine that this will bring AEW and New Japan closer to a working relationship. You have to. But, I don't know. I I just think that we're going to have like a really big babyface moment at the end of this show whoever this first ever double champion is so I just don't see Tanahashi winning so I'm going to go with Jericho I'm going to go with Jericho to win and you know there's your like really big crossover guy one of with him and Moxley to just bring in viewers for this match for this for this pay-per-view and I think it'll be really great um but uh, but yeah, I, I'm gonna go with Jericho. It, it's a little hard to predict. It's kind of hot. Tanahashi looks kind of dumb if he says he wants the title, loses Jericho. But look, the fact that they have acknowledged that if Tanahashi wins, he'll receive a championship match for the AEW title, then that that is huge. Look, I think we all know that the AEW guys and the New Japan guys all want to work together, and a lot of AEW guys came from New Japan. Uh, so. Why not just do it? Why not just partner up, come into agreement, having two huge wrestling companies like that working together, the only ones who are going to win, I mean, the ones who are going to benefit, they're going to benefit are AEW and New Japan, obviously, but the fans themselves. We want to see amazing matches with these guys. We want to. I could go on all night about the matches that I'd love to see. But um, I'm going to have to end it there. And thank you so much. That will do it for this edition of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. So 
like I said earlier in the program, in that Sean will be back next week. We will be doing a special episode uh, as of right now for our top 10 matches of the decade that is currently being worked on and and rewritten and worked on so many times um, because there are just so many amazing matches that happened in the decade, and that will probably be our last special edition episode uh, for doing with the decade or the year, so just gonna probably just gonna do that. Maybe one more, not for sure, but we're definitely gonna do the decades episode next week. Sean will be back, and it'll be great to uh, to talk on the podcast with him. I saw him for New Year's Eve, and uh, we all hung out, and it was good to see him and all all of our friends. Um, I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, Wrestle Kingdom is this weekend uh, on New Japan World. Um, for night one and night two, you're gonna have to stay up pretty damn late if you want to watch this uh, these two shows. So um, anyway, be sure to listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor.fm. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Like us on Facebook. And uh, thank you so much, so very much for listening. I'm very tired. So for CJ Palmasano, I will see you next time.